Anxiety shouldn't be your norm. Get the powerful, safe audio system for anxiety over at quietbegins.com. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Paul Coliani and I'm here to help you increase your emotional intelligence so that you can avoid dysfunction, handle toxic situations with grace and ease, and show up as your authentic self. Everything I talk about on the show is my personal opinion and is meant for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your physical or mental health. Talk about uh, physical and mental health. How about a lifetime of servitude? That is sort of what I experienced uh, in some ways. I mean, there are people that have experienced a lot worse than I have, but as a reformed people pleaser who hated confronting people and bringing up issues that could cause conflict, I felt like, looking at my history, I felt like it was a life of serving others and never honoring myself. There are some instances where serving others is mutually beneficial. Uh, I don't know of too many if you don't serve yourself because you have to serve yourself. You have to serve yourself. You have to honor yourself and you have to get into alignment with what you want for your life. And if you're not in alignment with what you want for your life, then you end up building resentments and holding these resentments inside you and bringing them out in your relationships and those resentments become destructive patterns and behaviors that will cause a lot of conflict anyway. (laughs) So I did that myself. I held in a lot of what I wanted to say to other people I held in what I wanted to express to them and wanted to share with them. Uh, I held in my anger. I was very good at that. Uh, I'm still good at that, but it is not uh, something that I do out of fear. It is something I do out of productivity, (laughs) meaning I'd rather be more productive in conversations instead of losing control. So when the anger comes up, it doesn't come out and cause me to act stupid. And I have acted stupid in the past when it comes to anger. I wasn't an angry person. I was always the person who held it in. I was always the person that people could rely on to be balanced and fair and never lose his cool. But when it came to times that I really felt angry, some injustice was served or somebody did something against me that really upset me, I decided not to show it. I thought it was being the bigger man. I thought not showing your anger was a better way to go through life because without anger, then there will be no elicitation of conflict. And if there's no conflict on the other side, then I have less to worry about. It causes less stress in my life. Not knowing that holding in my anger 
sometimes causes more stress, well, often causes more stress in my life because I have something to say and I don't say it, so I instead grow resentful toward the people I want to say it to. Instead of confronting them directly, I would develop passive-aggressive behaviors. Does this sound like anyone you know? (laughs) Does this sound like anyone in your life? Does it sound like you? If it does, then that's sort of what I'm talking about today, Uh, the fear of confrontation. It is something that I had to learn, uh, I don't know if it's the hard way, but I definitely did go through the school of hard knocks to understand what people pleasing and only being of service to others did instead of being of service to myself as well. And let me just clarify what that means. Uh, You can be the type of person that always does things for someone else because A, you probably love them, or at least you like them. Uh, B, you probably care about them, so you want them to be happy. And C, you probably don't want them to be upset with you. And a C comes into play in your life where you are doing behaviors just so they don't get upset with you, then you're probably closer to what I'm explaining in uh, in how I lived my life. So if you've lived your life trying to keep the balance, trying to be the peacekeeper, trying to not confront people, when you have something to say, then you've probably experienced a similar life as I have. And if that's the case, have you come to a place inside where you can now be okay being confrontational. That doesn't sound very pleasant. (laughs) I know, when I say it doesn't sound pleasant. You're going to be confrontational? I'm not exactly talking about becoming confrontational today. I'm talking about getting into a space inside your head where it's not a fear of confrontation that dictates your behavior. It is a desire to do what's right. And when you can make this tiny shift inside of you, it's a big shift, but it, all it takes is that little tip to have a different perception about the world and interactions in it, then you start to feel better inside yourself because you're no longer coming from a place of fear. You're coming from a place of uh, self-worth. You're coming from a place of confidence in who you are and what you deserve. And when you can come from a place of knowing you deserve to be treated kindly and with respect, like I say on my other show, Love and Abuse, you deserve to be treated with kindness and respect, especially when you are being kind and respectful. And you can do that even if you have to be, quote, confrontational. So I want you to consider how you confront people or tell them something that you're afraid to tell them or express your upset so that they hear you and you feel like they heard you and you are getting your message across even if your message is unwelcome and when you get your message across even when it's unwelcome at least you get your message across and that's important I think that's more important regardless if it's welcome or not for you to get it out of your system so it doesn't build up like a pressure cooker. And if you've ever held something back and never spoke up to that person and said that thing, then one day you blew up because you were so upset, whether at that person or someone else, that upset could have stemmed from that pressure that had been building for all those weeks, months, or years. 
and that pressure comes from not getting it out of your system, not expressing it, not being able to release and maybe heal from it if that's what you need to do because unfinished, unexpressed emotions don't go anywhere. They stay in. If you have a negative emotion that's going on inside of you and it's unfinished where you haven't gotten closure or you haven't been able to express it or talk about it with anyone, then it, it lingers inside of you and you walk around with it and life isn't as good as it could be. It's not as satisfying. You always have something under the surface, some residual that you feel. It's like when you accidentally get soft butter on your fingers. <laughs> it's a weird analogy, but think about the times where you got butter on your fingers and you're trying to wipe it off and you use the sink and the water doesn't take it off and you finally get a paper towel and it starts to come off and it gets less and less greasy and eventually you are able to get it off. But let's just say that you weren't able to get it off ever. Let's just say that butter stuck on your fingers and everything you touched got buttery and it just greasy and it's annoying. This is sort of how a lingering negative emotion can be. It's always there. You feel it. You know it's there. It's annoying, actually. You may not call it annoying, but what happens is it interferes with your everyday life. It comes into play with normal conversations or heated conversations, and it comes out in different ways, probably not as originally intended. So, for example, if you're carrying around this anger that you never got resolved, that anger lingers inside of you, and you never experience the totality of what it's like to not feel emotionally triggered all the time. This is something I experienced most of my life up until about, I don't know, seven, eight years ago. About seven or eight years ago, I was finally healing from the last few emotional triggers I had, and I still have them. <laughs> I'm not saying that they're gone, but the major ones are gone. And those emotional triggers dictated my behavior throughout my life. So if I had a trigger about um, a fear of abandonment or a fear of rejection, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to be extra nice to the people in my life and probably be overly compassionate toward them and under compassionate toward me denying my needs to fulfill theirs, making me the people pleaser I mentioned earlier. And doing that builds resentment in me because I want them to see how much I'm sacrificing or how much I'm giving up or how much I'm doing for them and for them to be able to suggest maybe I shouldn't do so much for them so I wouldn't have to make the decision not to do so much for them, making me the good guy and making them the bad guy. It's a whole complex web of psychological influence or even manipulation just to make sure that I always appear as the non-confrontational one and the nice guy. And doing that, that eats away at your mind and body. It really does. If you aren't the type of person that can express themselves to someone, that can share what's on your mind, that can be upset and then tell someone, hey, what you just did upset me. I would like to tell you that it really hurt my feelings or it really felt disrespectful and I just want to share that with you because we have an honest relationship and I want to tell you these things. That sounds like a utopian paradise. The, the people that can do this on a regular basis and just be able to share whatever's on their mind, that is the perfect relationship as far as I'm concerned because you're not putting your fears in front of 
your expressions. You're putting them behind. And what I mean by that is you can lead with your fears and do things that aren't necessarily beneficial for everyone involved, or you can do things that are beneficial for everyone, which is honest communication, you know, being authentic, and deal with the consequences of that on the back end, meaning you do something and then you can have fear about it. So you can lead with the fear and not do things, or you can have the fear on the back end and do them and deal with the fear of whatever happens afterward. If you lead with what benefits the highest interest of all involved, then you can deal with the fear later. But that's the hard part, right? That's the hard part that a lot of people can't handle. They can't figure out how to do that because the fear takes over and then they freeze or they can't possibly confront that person. Again, a whole web of psychology here that uh, goes in many different directions, but what it comes down to is really what you need to do for you and what you need to do for them. And believe it or not, if you haven't practiced this, doing for you always serves both of you. It really does. Doing for you, serving you, always serves both of you. Because the people who love you, they want to see you doing for you. They want to see you taking care of yourself. And if you're taking care of yourself, that makes them happy because they love you and they care about you. Also, when you are being honest and authentic and you tell somebody this is what's going on or you upset me when you said that, someone who loves and cares about you doesn't want to upset you and they're going to respond in a way that is kind and caring and they're going to say things like, oh my God, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Or they could say, what? You're taking it the wrong way. That's not what I meant at all. And if that's the case, that's good too. Because now you can have a conversation about it. Now you put it all on the table and you have an actual conversation about real things. Instead of, hey, you left the toilet seat up again or down. (laughs) I don't know if that's a problem in your house, but uh, in many houses that I've lived in, uh, that's been an issue and I've been trained very well. And if you have any issues like that where it seems so trivial there's usually an origin to those issues and there's usually something going on inside. Um, Not that it can't be the main issue. It absolutely can. If some trivial thing is the only thing you ever did wrong, it could be that issue, but it usually stems from something deeper. For example, if I left the toilet seat up all the time and my girlfriend came into the bathroom and saw it up, after she's asked me repeatedly, It would not be about the toilet seat. It would be about me not respecting her values, not respecting her wishes, and it may come down to her not feeling worthy or important to me. This is all the stuff under the surface that we never really touch upon when we're in any type of relationship. We talk about the surface stuff, and it's affecting us at the deepest level. And then we argue about the surface stuff, And those deeper levels get even deeper because pain and hurt get attached to those deeper level thoughts and feelings. So when you argue about something as trivial, even though it's not trivial for most people, a toilet seat or a toothpaste cap being left off or uh, leaving your socks on the floor or you haven't washed the dishes tonight, there's a deeper level emotional thing going on in the other person and you need to be aware that when you're having conversations about what seems to be just something surface, something 
maybe benign to you, maybe minor to you. It's hitting somebody else at a deep level or it's hitting you at a deep level. And when that happens, that's when the heart starts to close up a little bit more and a little bit more. And it's tough. It's tough to get out of that mode until you're able to express this stuff, until you're able to even confront the other person and say, hey, look, when you said that five years ago, I've been angry ever since. Imagine having that conversation. When you said that to me five years ago, I've been angry ever since. I've never seen you angry. I don't know what you're talking about. I just thought you were being difficult. Well, I've been angry about that one thing ever since, and I'm still angry about it, and I don't know what to do about it. Someone who loves you and cares about you is going to want to have a talk about that. They're going to want it on the table. They may not like it, and you may have a huge disagreement over it, but getting it out of your system, regardless of the fear that might come up, could be what gets you one step closer to feeling good again, feeling yourself again because that can happen. We can wash away who we are by holding on to resentments and anger and upset and not sharing them at all and walking around pretending nothing's wrong. So this is a good subject to talk about today, the fear of confrontation and that slight shift I want you to start thinking about if you have a fear of honoring yourself, expressing yourself, being authentic, being as real as possible and saying things even though there may be consequences. And um, just like I say on my other show, always pick your battles wisely. Don't do this with a violent or aggressive person. You have to know who you're dealing with in order for this to work out for you. But we often make up a lot of stuff. I made up so much stuff about my stepfather and how violent and angry he'd be the day I stood up to him, which was in my 40s. I was much taller than him, much stronger than him, and much younger than him, and he was a, a more frail old man uh, who had spent his life wasting away, damaging and poisoning his body, drinking alcohol. So I knew I had the upper hand if anything got crazy, but at the same time, I made up all this stuff that I should still be afraid of him, and I, and I wouldn't be able to protect myself, and all that stuff is just made up. But I kept it as a belief system for so many years that I never confronted him I never said anything until one day I did and that all has to do with this little shift I'm talking about and we'll talk more about that when we come back which will happen shortly right after this BetterHelp has been so helpful to many listeners of this show, and uh, I just always hear good things about them. They are a great company that is doing something that is much, much needed in the world today, and that is helping you with any challenges that you're going through. What challenges are you going through that are keeping you from being happy? I mean, this is right in alignment with what I'm talking about today. The stuff that keeps you from being as happy as you could be. Maybe you do have some emotional triggers in there and you just can't figure out how to get to them. You can't find the origin. You've tried drilling down. You've tried asking yourself questions and you just need someone else there to guide you through it. 
That's what BetterHelp does. They're there to help you find out what's preventing you from achieving happiness, from achieving your goals. And what they do is assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You connect in a safe and private online environment, making it super convenient. And you can start communicating in under 24 hours after you create the account. And it's not like a self-help or motivational thing. This is actual professional counseling. So I highly recommend if you are dealing with anything like depression or stress, anxiety, sleeping issues, anger issues, if you're grieving or you have self-esteem issues, everything you share is confidential. And if you go to betterhelp.com forward slash brain, you'll get 10% off your first month. So check them out, betterhelp.com forward slash brain. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com forward slash brain. Welcome back to kick off the talk about fear of confrontation. I'm going to read you a quick email. This person wrote, I've been listening to your podcast for almost a year and I'm writing in hopes you may answer my question. I rushed into marriage before realizing how codependent our two-year relationship was. My spouse had made incremental changes and promises of change over the last three years, but he has shown very little willingness to be an adult and take full direction for his own life. I see now that he wasted away his 20s due to low ambition, laziness, insecurity, constantly blaming everything and everyone outside of himself for his problems. As long as I've known him, he's avoided working on himself, i.e. following through, improving time management, personal development, and he tries to drag me into issues only he can fix. For months, he would blame me for holding him accountable in conversations and then take his anger out by yelling and breaking things or threatening suicide or just avoiding adult conversation. His financial problems have gotten out of control. He can't afford an apartment, a mortgage, a car. And after only a few months of marriage, we've begun living separately at my request. We went through counseling, but he wanted to quit because the counselor agreed that we should remain separated. I've just had a full month away and feel stronger and more refreshed than ever. I want to leave permanently and find my own sanity and future life partner. I feel selfish and I worry about how to gracefully navigate the situation I've allowed myself to be in because I see kind and good attributes in him. But I truly no longer think we are compatible life partners. Is it fair for me to leave after vowing for better or worse? How can I convey my true feelings to someone who cannot hear them without taking it as a personal attack? How can I convey to him that we've made a huge mistake? Do you have any advice for me? I truly appreciate it. All right, there's the letter. Thank you so much for writing. Very short time being in the marriage, and now the realizations come to play. And uh, this is certainly a wake-up call, or at least um, helping people open their eyes a little bit before they get married and what it means. Because I just said this to somebody the other day. I said, when you live together, the bad stuff that happens, like the attitude, the personality, uh, stuff that maybe you didn't see before you started living together, that amplifies when you get married. And then as the marriage goes on and you have kids and there's settling down, anything that you didn't like that maybe you dismissed, that maybe you just passed off as, oh, that's just who they are, uh, you suddenly hate (laughs) or you just get very annoyed by. So it's vital. It's so important for you to figure out what might be going on in somebody today that that will annoy you tomorrow. It might be cute that they leave their socks on the floor today, 
But when you're living together and you have to pick up those socks every day, sometimes several times a day, then you might have a different thought about that. So these are the things that need to work out, in my opinion, before we live together or after we live together and before we get married, before we have kids, all this stuff. But again, that's the utopian fantasy. I know I'm painting this picture that everything should be worked out before you get married, but sometimes you don't figure it out until after you're married, and I get that. Sometimes you don't figure this stuff out until after some sort of commitment, which is why I also say fall in love slowly. Get to know their quirks. Get to know their personality. Get to know who they are when they're by themselves. Get to know who they become when they're with you. I just told somebody else the other day that if you can, try to live together for a few weeks or a couple months before you move in together so that you can understand what happens when you're together. That is very helpful. Fall in love slowly. Grow your attachments slowly. Get to know each other because if it's going to work out and it's good, it's going to be good through the whole thing. It doesn't have to be, hey, this is great, let's get married. It can be, hey, this is so great, let's take this one day at a time. Let's enjoy each day. Let's figure this stuff out. And I also know that some people's personality comes out after certain life events. I mean, certain personality characteristics that you didn't see before. So you get married and then suddenly they're a jerk. Wow, who is this person? When did this happen? This is sometimes hard to avoid, sometimes impossible to avoid. But now we have this person who wrote and said, look, I got married. I made this promise. I told this person I'm going to commit to them. But I didn't understand exactly what I was getting into. I didn't understand how codependent this relationship was. I didn't know myself well enough because obviously I was part of this issue. So what do I do? You know, Is it bad to leave this relationship? Is it fair for me to leave after vowing for better or worse? So here's where some people might say, hey, you made a vow, try to work it out. Some people might say that. In churches, they will definitely say that, most churches. They will say, you got to work it out. you got to figure it out. You made a promise to God, they might say. So figure it out. But my personal view on this, and this is only my personal view, I'm not saying this is how life works and this is what you should do. My personal view is I don't care the level of commitment or attachment that you have. If you are unhappy, you will spread that unhappiness into the relationship, causing whatever to happen, the negativity to expand and amplify, the arguments to expand and amplify, the the love to dissolve, it spreads. It's like a virus. Your unhappiness can spread like a virus, even if you can hide it. If you can hide your unhappiness, like I was talking about in the first segment, I used to hide my unhappiness. I used to hide my anger, but it spread. It permeated throughout the relationship. It ended up in all these little nooks and crannies in the relationship, and it just got worse and worse, and the other person could not figure out why they were so unhappy with me. I remember my first long-term girlfriend, she asked me one day, do you love me? I looked at her and I thought, what the hell are you talking about? Of course I love you. I say it every day. I say it multiple times a day. I adore you. And that sounds so authentic and real when I say it now. And I really felt it back then as well. But I hid such a big part of myself from her because... 
I didn't want her to think that I was anything but a great guy and happy, and I didn't want to make her think that she was with some miserable SOB or some depressed person. So I just hid the negative stuff and only showed her the positive stuff, and slowly and surely, our love dissolved. And this is what happens when one person is unhappy, the other person feels it, but they don't know what they're feeling sometimes. They can't figure out what's going on. So the unhappiness spreads. It is viral. It does permeate into other facets of the relationship. This is why it's so important, again, in my opinion, that you do whatever you can to either work on yourself and figure out what makes you happy and then bring that into the relationship and also be honest about what makes you unhappy That is a huge part of this. If you are not honest about what makes you unhappy, you're going to get more unhappiness. So you work on yourself. You do the self-help route. You do the therapy route. You do whatever route it takes so that you can learn so much about yourself so that you know yourself well enough that when you're in the relationship, you serve yourself, the relationship, and the other person in the best possible way. I think that is important. I think when you are not happy, the unhappiness will spread, even if you believe they can't see that you're unhappy. It spreads, and it becomes other things. It transmutates into relationship issues that you can't figure out where they stem from. Like, why are we so angry about this? Why are we still talking about this? I thought we resolved this. And things never get resolved because that level of unhappiness is still there. And there's a lot of unfinished emotions that haven't been resolved yet. So those emotions need to be finished. For this person who wrote, thank you again for writing and sharing this. And I'm sorry that you're going through this. But your question to me is, is it fair for me to leave after vowing for better or worse? My answer is absolutely yes. I don't think that's what you should do immediately. I do think there's a process that you should go through before you leave. And that process is put it all on the table because when you're ready to leave, what do you got to lose? Just put it all out there. You know what? When you do this, it makes me unhappy. When you do this, I feel disrespected. When you do this, you might have to say all that. Or you might have to say harder stuff like, you know, when we have sex, uh, it doesn't feel comfortable. You feel aggressive or you never tell me what you want. So I leave feeling like I couldn't satisfy you or you never give me what I want so I never feel satisfied you might have to say stuff like this that's confrontational isn't it (laughs) well it's getting closer to confrontational some of the stuff that we're talking about today is bringing stuff up that is hard to say but if you don't bring it up it never gets resolved or even if it can't get resolved at least you brought it up at least you put it out there So this is the kind of stuff that if you don't bring it up and you just leave, you may run into it again. This is what happened to me. I went through many relationships where I refused to bring up anything that angered me. So relationship after relationship, these people never knew the whole me. They they only knew 50% of me. The other 50% was hidden. It was the dark side. (laughs) So they knew the light side. I kept the dark side hidden. And that created a picture that I wanted to create in their mind, which wasn't complete. They saw the numbers in the outlines, but only some of them were colored. You ever do one of those paintings, they paint by numbers? Some of the outlines were colored, some of the figures in the painting were colored, but not all of them. So they only saw half the picture. 
And when you only see half of someone, you have to make the rest up. Or you ask them, and if they say, no, everything's fine, everything's good, I love you, and we're, all, we're great, then they're going to have to take your word for it, but there's going to be an incongruence inside of them. They're going to feel like you're not saying the whole truth, or you're not saying the truth at all, because they know you well enough to know that you're hiding something. But they really can't tell if you're hiding something, and you never say that you're hiding something. So they never figure it out, and because you never figure it out, they live in mystery. And the brain hates mysteries. Well, it loves mysteries, but it hates unsolved mysteries. It wants to know. It wants to know the answer. It wants to know what the solution is. It wants to know the conclusion. We are these intelligent beings walking around with these mysteries in our head, and some of them are okay if they're unsolved, and some of them aren't, especially when we have someone in our life that means something to us, and there's something strange going on, and you can't put the pieces together, and they're not being honest about it. So what we end up doing is creating all these scenarios, imagining what's real, and trying to figure out why they could be acting the way they are, and it never comes to a resolve, and then we end up unhappy in the relationship. So what do we do then? And this is where she is. She's unhappy in the relationship. So if this person who wrote, if you haven't been able to confront, if you haven't been able to express, this is what I want you to do. And this is the shift I was talking about in the last segment. The shift I want you to make is instead of seeing anything as confrontational or as if you are attacking the other person, See it as something that you need to do for both of you. This is sort of the shift I want, but the actual shift I want you to do is to honor yourself and do what's right for you, but it really does serve you and everyone else. Because as I was saying earlier, if you don't serve yourself and you're unhappy, that unhappiness becomes a disservice to the relationship. It permeates into the relationship and creates misery. It creates a terrible time for both of you. So you don't have much to lose by putting it on the table because you're going to be miserable anyway. Or you're going to break up or get divorced like you're talking about here. You just, you're going to leave each other. And if you leave each other and nothing was put on the table, then you both kind of leave with unfinished business. That person never gets to learn what bothered you, and you were never able to express it all to them. And so you might feel later on, five, ten years down the road, that maybe I should have expressed all that stuff to them. I still have some unfinished business with some old relationships. Some people I can't even get in touch with anymore that I want to say I'm sorry to, that I want to apologize to, that I want to put it on the table and tell them why I behaved the way I did. And if you're listening, uh, give me a call. (laughs) Send me an email, whatever. I want to talk to you. I want to tell you what I was doing back then, what I was feeling, what I was thinking, because I want to put it on the table. So if uh, any of my exes are listening, reach out to me. (laughs) But on to this person's message. I believe it's absolutely 100% fair of you to express why you're unhappy and what the other person in your life is doing that adds to that unhappiness. Because if you can get it out there, then what you're doing is you're telling the other person what you need to make you happy. And this is, again, the shift. The shift has to be taking the fear from the front and putting it in the back. 
the fear is in the front right now, so that causes you not to be confrontational. But if you put the fear in the back, then you can do what you need to do and worry about the consequences later. This is the question that I've asked before. What would you do if you had absolutely no fear of the consequences? What would you do then? If you had no fear of the consequences? That's the right answer. That's how you find out what you're in alignment with. And then you act from that place. Again, picking your battles wisely. You did mention that he has threatened suicide. I highly, highly recommend that you listen to Love and Abuse and look for the episode called um, When They Threaten Suicide, The Ultimate Emotional Abuse, or I don't know if that's the exact title, but just look up suicide and you'll find it at loveandabuse.com. It is well worth the listen because there's hardly any information out there. When somebody you love threatens suicide, if you leave or if you do something that they don't agree with, then what do you do? So I think that's an important episode to listen to if you're ever in that situation. Again, over at loveandabuse.com. But everything else that you've said here, uh, that you don't like his behaviors, you don't like what he's doing with his life because it affects you, it affects your relationship, you need to know how it affects you. And this is where you can start working on the shift, and this is how you work on the shift. You need to know how his behaviors, how this relationship affects you. Let's just say that he never gets a job. Let's just say that his financial problems never get into control. Maybe he can't ever afford anything. Is that going to be okay with you? Because you need to ask yourself, if that never changes, will I be okay with it? I mean, that's the all-important question right there. If this never changes, will I be okay with it? And if not, what aren't you okay with? Okay, I'm not okay with all this stuff. I'm not okay with him not having a job or bringing in a regular income. Okay, no matter what your answer is, why aren't you okay with that? This is the stuff you need to be clear about. Why aren't you okay with that particular behavior or any of these particular behaviors you're talking about? Why aren't you okay with that? Write those down because once you write those down and you are clear, that's when the shift happens inside of you. That's when you look at yourself and you say, I need to do this so that I don't feel this way. I need to take these steps. I need to speak my mind because I never want to feel this way. And this is the way I stop feeling this way. The fear in front is treating this as if you're being confrontational, as if you're doing something to him instead of for you. When you make that shift of doing something for yourself instead of doing something to someone else, that shift happens. You know, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that the face the fear and do it anyway doesn't exist. Absolutely. You could face the fear and do it anyway, knowing the fear is in front. And then you could also say, well, the fear is in front and behind and also in the middle. (laughs) That can absolutely happen. And that is absolutely true. But I'm helping you create imagery in your mind that you can use when it comes to standing up for yourself, expressing yourself, trying to be authentic, trying to be real with people and telling them what you really feel. And if you have this image of the fear being in front of you, then you don't want to get hurt, so you're probably not going to do anything. But if you put it behind you where you're going to do whatever you need to do for you, not to them, then you can deal with the fear when the consequences come from that. I think I've probably overstated it, but I think you understand. 
and it may not be enough for the shift, which is why I want to emphasize that once you understand exactly what you want for you or you want in the relationship and why you want those things, it then becomes about what you need to do for you and not what you're doing to them because they have their own stuff to deal with. If they have issues that they're dealing with, then they need to bring those issues to you or they need to deal with it themselves. Just like you're doing this exercise, you're doing this practice to make life better for everyone involved. And that's really the key. What you're doing when you do things for you, I said this earlier, you're doing it not only for you, but for everyone involved. How does that work? Because as soon as you fulfill what you need to do for you, not only will you feel happier and more fulfilled and more whole inside, but you'll also know exactly what you want. So when you get what you don't want, you'll speak up and you'll have enough reserve for anyone that wants to work on themselves and asks you for help. Not that that's your role, not that you're supposed to do that, but let's just say that you get your stuff together. (laughs) You figure out what you want and you express what you want and you're able to get it all out and you have no lingering negative emotions and you feel really good inside because you put the fear behind and you took the steps to do things for you. Now, you have this renewed energy, you have this good feeling inside of you, and you are standing up for you, you're standing up for what you feel is good for you, and now somebody else says, you know, I really like what I see in you, I want that too, how do I do that? You're going to have enough energy left over if you want to help them to get to that point. So if you do have a romantic partner or somebody you love that sees this and wants that too, you can choose to do it because you'll have the energy to do so. Now, that may not happen. In fact, it probably won't happen in most cases where you finally feel more whole and happy and really gotten things together and they still have things to work on, like this person who wrote the letter. This other person has things to work on, but she wants to you know, keep going in life and be with somebody else that has it together as well, or at least better than this guy does. But he has an opportunity to see what her transformation is and reflect on what he's doing in his life and ask himself if this is what he wants in life. This is also what I had to go through. When my last relationship, my marriage failed, I finally asked myself, what am I doing to create all these failed relationships? How am I not succeeding here? What am I failing at? I was really honest with myself. I finally took responsibility that I was the common denominator for all my relationship issues and for all the problems in my life. And it took many breakups for me to get there because I finally realized there were so many issues that kept happening to me over and over again that it must be something that I was doing, even though I couldn't see it. I couldn't see it. So I'm hoping that this person once you're apart, will be able to reflect on what's going on in his life and see what perhaps he can improve. He may not. He may never see what he needs to improve. This is why it's important that you improve yourself. You do the things that you need to do for you. And you have this shift that it is never about confrontation. It is never about putting someone in a bad position because you're going to tell them that you're breaking up with them or whatever. It is always about what you need to do for you for the betterment and highest interest of all involved. 
And I don't think I have to explain what that means again, because if you're unhappy, it permeates. If you are doing something that makes your life better, that also permeates. And the other person can choose to be in that and want to be a part of that or not. And if the person loves you and cares about you and wants you to be happy, they're going to support that about you. They're going to want you to follow a path that makes you feel more whole, more satisfied, and just more vibrant and energized in life. If they don't support that and they want you to be at a lower level, maybe they're in this space where they feel better if other people are in that space with them and you feel like that's a big step down for you and you've told them your needs and they still don't want to meet you in the middle or they still don't want to work on things, then not only is it fair for you to leave, it might be absolutely necessary for your well-being. I gave you a lot to chew on and I do hope I was able to articulate exactly where the shift occurs and if that's still not solidified in your mind, remember when you do that, you are doing it for the betterment of all. You are doing it because you'll feel good about yourself for at least trying and hopefully succeeding. Almost everything you do when the fear is behind instead of in front is typically where you are aligned most. So when you figure out why you want the things that you want and why you don't want the things that you don't want, you figure out what you are in alignment with most. And when you follow that path over and over again, you're always doing things for you, never against someone else. This is never against someone else. Yes, people will feel bad. People will feel like you're doing it to them. But you can't see it that way because they have choices too. They have opportunities. They have ways to work through things. They have people to talk to just like you. And we all have to make our own decisions that are in the best interest of ourselves and others. And if you only make decisions that are in the best interest of someone else, then you're not going to have enough energy for yourself, let alone anyone else. If this reminds you of the people-pleasing episode, it should. <laughs> there's, a lot, there's a lot of similarities, and if you need that episode, I have talked about people-pleasing several times before at theoverwhelmedbrain.com. But I hope this helps you, and um, I didn't answer all your questions like, how can I tell him without him taking it as a personal attack? You can't. You can't do anything that makes it sound like you have any control over his reaction to it. You can only do things for you. You can only do things for you and in the best interest of all of you. And the best interest for all of you starts in you. What makes me feel whole? What makes me feel happy? And then from there, whatever makes you feel whole and happy can spread out like a wave to others. And whatever makes you feel bad and miserable if you don't want to feel bad and miserable anymore, then you have to do things for you. So make sure you pay attention to your perspective. Try not to say things like, how do I do it without them getting angry? How do I do it without making it sound like it's a personal attack? How do I do it? Don't worry too much about trying to make it not sound like a personal attack or thinking that's going to be a huge confrontation. Because I, I promise you, if you focus on what you need to do for you, then your language becomes complementary to that focus. And what I mean by that is, let's just say that you want to break up, you believe it was a big mistake. Why do you think it was a big mistake? So now you have some reasons. Think about the reasons, write, them, write those reasons down. Let's just say that one of the reasons is he's never going to make any money, and you see it. You see the writing on the walls. 
How is that a problem? How it's a problem is going to be how you word it as a problem, but in a way that it affects you. How it's a problem might be, well, I don't feel secure. I feel like if we're in a relationship and only one of us is making the money, me, then I don't feel secure in the relationship. So because you don't feel secure, this is how you convey it. I don't feel secure in a relationship with somebody who isn't making money. I'm not saying you have to say those exact words, but notice the I statement. I feel this in this environment. I feel like I will always be anxious if we never have enough money. I will become depressed because I feel like I will be working extra hard to make up for two people or if and when we expand our family into more people that it will be too stressful for me. So I will not be able to handle that. I know myself well. This is why you have to know yourself. I know myself well enough to know that I will not be able to handle that. And you might get, yeah, but I'm going to get a job. This isn't going to be the way it is. And you can say, I completely get it. And I hope that's true. But right now, this is what I see. And this is all I have to go on. I know it sounds confrontational, but keep it about you. That's it. Keep it about you. And however they respond is how they need to respond in themselves. If you keep it about you, then the empowerment is in front and the fear is behind. I'm not saying the fear won't be there. It's always there for me. It's like, it's still there. Even when I do the empowered response, it's still a little fear there because I know something's going to happen if I do this empowered response, which might be taken as confrontational. But I always do it with love and respect for that person and love and respect for me. Usually not in that order. (laughs) I always do it with compassion for both of us. You know what? I love you and I can't be with somebody that I feel insecure with. Or I love you and I can't be with somebody that I feel disrespected by on a day-to-day basis. Or I love you and I want you to be happy, but I can't be happy in this situation because X, Y, Z. These are powerful ways to express yourself without confronting. And it shows the other person that you respect them. You respect where they are. You're not blaming them. You're just saying, it doesn't work for me. And when you can say that and approach it that way then you're not confrontational at all. You're being as civil and tactful and diplomatic and even kind when you say it that way. And so that is the shift that I want you to make. I hope you can make it. And I know it's a lot of work. The first time I did it, it was very difficult. And I didn't do it as uh, gracefully as that. But it changed my life. And as soon as you're able to do that without thinking too much, because you know what you need to do for you and not against them, your life changes. And it gets better. One of many things that can change your life. I hope this helps. Thank you so much for writing. I appreciate you tuning in today. We'll be right back with my thank yous and goodbyes right after this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to thank our sponsor, BetterHelp. Go to BetterHelp, that's H-E-L-P dot com forward slash brain and get 10% off your first month. It's a great program. I highly recommend them. And I want to thank the patrons of the week. These are the financial backers of the show. They are monthly contributors to the show. And I am so grateful, so, so grateful for these folks that give anywhere from a few bucks to a lot more. And there's a bunch of them today. Monica, Lorita, Leela, Lucy, Adriana, Julie, Patrick. Patrick, you're new. 
Great to have you on board. Thank you so much, Patrick. Henry, uh, DS, you're new too. Thank you so much, DS. Good to connect with you here. Thank you so much for your support. Um, Anna, good to see you. Linda, Chelsea, Maud, Chelsea again. Uh, might be the same Chelsea. Ron, <laughs> Elaine. I don't think the Chelsea's will know. Uh, thank you so much, all of you. I am so grateful for you again. If you find value in this show and you want to give back, head over to moretob.com and there are a few options there that you can uh, do. I appreciate everyone that helps the show out financially. And of course, that's not required. I don't come on here begging for it. It just happens. And when it does, I come on the air and thank those who do it. Thank you again. And I mentioned the Love and Abuse podcast. That's my other show. If you haven't heard about it, go to loveandabuse.com. It's about emotional abuse and manipulation and the steps you can take to protect yourself from emotional abuse. Or if you find that you are an emotionally abusive person or do emotionally abusive behavior, that show can help you as well. And um, if you know you're an emotionally abusive person, head over to healedbeing.com. That's two words, healedbeing.com. And I've got something starting in 2021 that uh, I will be sharing with those who want to get on that uh, email list. So put yourself on the list over there at healedbeing.com. Again, that's for people who know they're the emotionally abusive person and want to change. So those two resources, loveandabuse.com, healedbeing.com. I'm doing my part trying to help people heal from emotional abuse, whether you're the victim or the perpetrator, because there are people that do the emotional abuse too that know they need to heal. There are people out there that want to go through that healing journey, and uh, it's difficult for everyone in emotionally abusive situations, but well worth going through the steps to heal and change so that you can just feel better. That's what I want. I want you to feel better. <laughs> so keep listening to the show and tune into Love and Abuse and check out that program if you need to. And finally, I'd like to thank Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. And I did say finally, but not exactly finally. There's something else I want to read. There's two reviews I received on iTunes. One is from Your Cheesy Mom. <laughs> That's not me. I'm, I'm just reading them as they come. This is the person's handle. Uh, this person wrote, You're very helpful. I just want to say thank you for a positive and helpful podcast. Thank you for that, Your Cheesy Mom. And uh, also this person, rtolent23, I have no idea if I said that right, uh, said, thank you. I've been listening to your podcast for like two weeks now, and I wish I would have known about it before. I can't get enough. I listen to two podcast episodes per day, and I even repeat them. The information that you offer is so useful and has definitely transformed my perspective of life and myself. I truly recommend it. Once again, I thank you for all you do, and thank you to the people, and this is the important part, thank you to the people who actually have the courage to share their stories with others. And this is why I wanted to read that review, not because of all the praise, although I like that too. <laughs> I wanted to share this, that when you share your story with others, it allows other people to connect with themselves. This is what I like to do. This is why I tell my stories on the air. Not the only reason, but I want you to be able to hear me say things that maybe you're going through or maybe there's something similar in your life. And when you hear me say it, and I feel a little bit bad about it. I feel like I might have had some shame or guilt around it. I might have had some fears that I've shared with you. Uh, when I do that, it helps you connect with yourself and be honest with yourself and maybe even be honest with other people by expressing it to someone else. It doesn't mean you have to express it to everyone, just certain people, safe people, the people that will listen non-judgmentally, the people that love and support you. 
when you're able to share some of the stuff going on in your life, you're able to get rid of those negative lingering emotions. I'm not saying that it resolves everything and it solves all the problems. I'm saying that if you have emotional buildup inside of you and you have not been able to release that buildup and feel relieved inside, then it might be time to share your story with someone. You know, I I get a ton of emails and I know people are writing and asking themselves, well, I wonder if he's ever going to write back or ever going to talk about it on the air or maybe I should never have wasted my time because he never wrote back so he probably never read it. That's not true. I read them all. I read all the emails I get. I just don't have time to write back and I do try to get to a lot of them on the air but it just doesn't happen with all of them. But here's the thing. Whether you write to me or someone else or you speak to someone else, just writing it out expressing it, verbalizing it, is helping you give your inner emotions an outer voice. That is so powerful, so therapeutic in so many ways to give those feelings an expression. It gives those emotions a voice. And when you do that, it's a way to relieve that pressure. It's a way to flip up the pressure valve and allow some steam out. And it does help. Sometimes it's all that's needed just to tell that story that you never wanted to tell or tell that person that you were sorry or that you were angry. Finally, just getting it out of your system. And I'm not saying it works out every time. I mean, I've had people tell me, okay, Paul, I did that and it made our relationship worse. I've heard that it happens. I've done that myself. I made a relationship with a family member worse by being honest, by being caring by honoring myself with love for that person all because I didn't do what they wanted me to do and so I really had to question the relationship if that's all it was based on if you have relationships in your life where the only thing it's based on is you doing what they want you to do and when you honor yourself with love for them and you're caring toward them and you're kind toward them and they're still not happy because you're not doing what they want you to do, it's tough for me to tell you to keep that relationship. It is because that's not a healthy relationship. That is a controlling relationship. That is a relationship that makes you conform and submit through guilt and criticism and whatever else they throw at you. And I don't want you to be in that space. So yes, you could, quote, ruin relationships by being honest, by being authentic, by expressing your true thoughts and feelings. You could absolutely sever ties with people that maybe you never wanted to do. It is a risk. But I do ask you, do you want to keep people around that don't support you, that don't really care about what you want for yourself, that don't really have your best interest in mind? Do you want those people in your life if all they want you to do is what they want you to do? You may say yes. You may say, well, if I don't have that relationship, I'm going to lose other relationships too. You may say that. And at that point, you might have to accept that this relationship will never be what you want it to be and just go with it. Keep it the way it is. I mean, I get that. There are people in my life that I might just have to keep the relationship the way it is. It'll never improve. And I'll just have to accept that. And I only see them once or twice a year, so no big deal. But I'm still a proponent of keeping the healthiest relationships in your life and also doing things for you 
to support yourself, to support your happiness, support your well-being, which people who love you will want for you as well. And the, the relationships that you, quote, ruin, you really have to ask yourself if that's really the kind of relationship that you need in your life. I'm not saying you should separate from people like this or keep them out of your life. That's a personal decision for you. I'm just asking you to ask yourself questions. Because when you become really authentic and really honest with people, some people will take offense, some people won't like it, and they will disappear from your life or be angry at you for the rest of their life. And if that's the case, that's their decision. And it's it's really challenging and you don't want it because you care about them. But as long as you're putting out there that you still love them, that you still care about them, that the door is open and you're sorry that it hurts, but you are there whenever they want to talk, then you've done your part. So again, personal decision if you ever want to approach this, but I'm all about empowering you and knowing that the people that want you to feel good and want you to be happy will support that. And those that don't support that, they might still have to go through some personal growth themselves. No matter what, just always keep an open mind so that you can step into your power. This is how you create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing. Amazing.